Welcome to Behind the Books, a podcast by the Mercer County Library System. Your hosts are Bob Noose and Anna Vanskoyk. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Behind the Books. Uh, today, we have a couple of guests that we think you're going to enjoy listening to. We have with us today from our Heightstown branch, Lena Iyengar, and we have cozy mystery author Darcy Hanna with us, and uh, they were both very interesting to talk to. I know I enjoyed hearing what both of them had to say. You know, we've had a couple um, cozy mystery authors on before, Bob, and I feel like um, with our Darcy talk, we actually find out more what goes into a cozy mystery, which I thought was pretty um, informative for me, especially. And I hope our listeners enjoy that as well. And then I think everyone will find out uh, in just a bit when we go to our interview with Lena that she is just a lovely person. And I'm excited for people to hear what she's involved with at the Heightstown branch. That was interesting, as you said, like when we talked to Darcy and we'll hear that a little bit later on, um, kind of what goes into the story. And that was, uh, that was great to listen to. But first we will be back to talk to Lena in a moment. We are now at the part of the Behind the Books podcast where we get to talk to one of our colleagues. And I am very, very excited for today's guest. Today we have Lena Yangar, who is from the Heightstown Memorial Branch. Uh, Lena works in circulation, and I get the privilege of working with her every Monday for her meditation program. So, Lena, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me, Anna and Bob. Thank you. So Lena, we're pretty excited because you are our first circulation person to be a guest on the podcast. What are some of the things that you get to do um, working the circulation desk? Okay, so first of all, I love working at the circulation desk and at our branch, how we are located is as soon as the patrons open the door, our desk is right there. So I love to welcome the patrons and uh, answer their questions, whatever questions that they have, help them find their find books, DVDs, or sometimes they are looking for some directions, um, help them with computers, copy machine, printer, or scanner. So all different various things that they need help with. Um, also tell them about how to use our website and especially now with COVID, you know, many different hours and curbside hours. So um, the days that we are open, give them all the other information that they require. Um, in the morning, we also run the whole list, find books from the shelves and send them to various branches wherever they're going. Uh, reserve books for patrons, renew books for patrons, accept their fines if they're paying fines. Uh, many different things. We do shelf reading every week, so keep the books in order. Uh, we also shelf books, um, um, so many different things, and answer phone calls, whatever help they need with, you know, anything. One of the things that's been interesting in, in talking to the different people during the course of our podcast is that everybody kind of has this interesting road to how they ended up working at the, the library. Like, how did you end up you know, where you are now, and was it something that you had thought about doing for a long time? Like, what was kind of your journey to, to where you are now? It is a very interesting, actually, question, because how I got this job is uh, 
pretty interesting that my kids were little and I wanted to stay home with them when they were very young. So I stayed at home and uh, after they joined elementary school, I wanted to do, I had free time, so I wanted to do some volunteering. So I went to Hickory Corner Library since I was taking kids for different story time and different programs and it's close from my home. So I went there and asked them if there were any volunteering opportunities. And at that time, they didn't have anything, but uh, there was a nice lady at the CERC desk who handed me an application. And she said, you know what, if you are interested in uh, working here, maybe fill this out. So I filled out an application and then I didn't hear anything for almost a year because there were no hiring. And uh, all of a sudden I get a call after a year or so uh, that there was some position and uh, I went for an interview. And unfortunately, I couldn't take the job because that required every other Saturday. And my kids were so young and both of them were in di many different sports. So we had to run around to many different activities. So I couldn't take that job and I felt so bad. But um, the manager there at that time was Jennifer Warringer was the manager and she was so sweet, I think. And she gave my name to Heightstown Library. So within 15 days or a month, I get a call from Heightstown Library that there was a position. I came for an interview and they had the hours that worked for me and just that's it. And then I got hired here and I'm here for nine years now. So that's how it started. And I love that you were going to volunteer and you end yeah. up <laughs> getting a job. At a different branch. I kind of mentioned this in the beginning is um, that you lead a meditation group, which you had done uh, before the pandemic. Right. And you've also brought it virtually. But how did you how did you get that opportunity to start doing the meditation for the Heightstown Memorial Branch? Oh, for the Heightstown Branch, it is again now. Uh, uh, thanks to my manager here, Emily. Um, I was meditating and learning this, you know, from this organization, their knowledge and practicing in my daily life. And it was helping me a lot. So I was doing it on my own at home. And my manager knew that I was practicing and I was okay. At the time, I was also doing, um, I was a children's facilitator and a teens facilitator at the organization. So I was teaching kids and teens uh, different values and how to lead a stress-free life and all of that. And somehow uh, Emily knew it. And she was like, if you're doing this on your own and also teaching at the organization, why don't you do it at the library? And in the beginning, I wasn't too sure because I had not done, done it like that here. So, uh, but she gave me all the courage and I said, all right, let's do it. So I started doing it at the library with uh, our patrons. And in the beginning, I did some workshops for almost four years, it, I did it. And then I thought that meditation is really the need of the time. And uh, I started doing that for last four years. So it's almost been eight years. And then, like you said, pandemic, I have some regulars who have been coming and they really, once we closed in March, they were really missing that. So they were like, can we please do something online virtually? And once we open and we have a go-to meeting, which is excellent because this way we can reach out to many people who are not, you know, close from Heightstown. So I am very, very happy that I can do that. So I guess I give all the credit to Emily for encouraging me to do this. How have you found it to be? Because I, I know some people who do, you know, either uh, exercise or, or meditation online. Like, how has that, that been? Has everybody been pretty receptive to that and is it does it go pretty well i mean it's probably not the same as being in person but has it been pretty pretty much what you expected 
Yes, actually, it's been even it's great because the part that I like with go to meaning is more and more people are joining. So that part I love and um, the meditation that I teach actually is very, I would say very easy um, because the type of meditation that I learn is not just like no breathing or sitting certain way and I mean just breathing and just sitting certain way and uh, no thoughts not like that but what we do is it's a guided meditation and the whole idea of this meditation is to change your thought process so that kind of helps you in like everyday life changing you know okay there is a crisis I'm thinking this way how do I, how should I think so basically it just with the practice of meditation and doing this guiding your mind to think right at every moment it kind of helps you that way so it's a pretty easy meditation it is a guided meditation so people are able to stay awake not go to sleep and pay attention so it's been i think helping them and there are people who are joining regularly so that's the sign that i think it's working for them so yes i think this online is working well i i like it it would be and great was... to see them in person too sometime soon but uh, yes if we can hopefully offer soon <laughs> yes yes <laughs> Well, and I was very grateful that you were willing to bring it to the system just because I think it's such a time where I think it was really needed. I mean, that's what we kept hearing about, right, was right. Um, people's, uh, how they were feeling, the, the mental aspect of everything that we were going through this past year. And so I know um, that Monday session that I get to attend, um, I find it very helpful and it's so it's nice to focus on yourself for that, yes. even yes. though it's it's not a very long time, but it's even that half an hour is just so helpful. And I really do encourage our listeners to look for Lena's sessions because I do think that they are very helpful um, just to take a breath <laughs> from yes, everything absolutely. going on. Yeah. Are you very right? Because, you know, we just, we are so busy in our lives taking care of everyone else and we put ourselves like way down there and it's, that's, actually should be the first priority to take care of myself first right then only i can take care of everyone else if i'm happy and i'm calm and i'm peaceful right because whatever i am i'm gonna give spread it to everyone and that's what i'm gonna give so i think it should be on top of our list wherever you do even five minutes ten minutes but every day take a little break go inside change your thought come back to peace and act from there so yes, I am so glad, so glad you and I really thank our IT team for providing this and our library system for giving me this opportunity to, you know, help a little in any kind of way that I can. So I'm so grateful. Thank you all. Oh, that is so nice, Lena. And thank really. you so much for taking time today. I know you're very busy. So we really do appreciate it. and it has just been a true joy talking with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Welcome back everyone to our next segment of the podcast. Hopefully everyone enjoyed that talk with Lena. I know uh, when I went into it and I didn't really know much about the meditation program, but after having heard you guys talking about it, it sounds like it's the kind of thing that would be beneficial. So I might have to take a look at uh, getting myself onto that program because everyone could use a little relaxation. 
No, and I think Lena really, and again, I'm very fortunate because I do get to take a part of it every Monday at four o'clock. And um, she really does a wonderful job. And even if you're new to meditation, she makes it very accessible. Um, and that I think, because so, sometimes trying something new can be a little daunting, but she's very welcoming. And like I said, she makes it very accessible. And as a we kind of have alluded to that is one of our recurring programs that we have uh, on a weekly basis um, for our community. I do want to bring up some other programs uh, that are going to be coming up this month. Um, a lot of people, when it comes time for June, uh, they associate this month with uh, Pride Month. And I'm very excited about this program that we are going to be offering on June 23rd at seven o'clock. And this is a meeting, uh, a, a virtual program that you will have to register for to receive the link. But we have representatives from the GAAMC, and that's the Gay Activist Alliance in Morris County, which is actually the second oldest continually operating um, LGBTQ plus uh, organization in the country. And they started shortly after the Stonewall riots. Um, and I think it's gonna be this really unique look at New Jersey history and a very underreported part of New Jersey's history when you think about the um, gay community and their part and their role and the advocacy and the community aspect. So I do encourage people for Pride Month. Um, it is on June 23rd at 7 p.m. And again, that is one that you would need to register for. So you would wanna to go to our website, mcl.org or um, download our app, MyMCLSNJ, and you can access the program registration that way as well. But let's move on to even a bigger thing that's happening um, in June. Um, a lot of times school's ending and um, the kids are heading into summer and for librarians, that means the summer reading program, which starts on June 21st. Um, but something Bob and I really want to talk about is that it's not just for kids. Um, it really does have programs and opportunities for readers of all ages. And that is something I think a lot of people think that they come into the library and they sign their kids up for summer reading. And then I know sometimes they'll be talking to us at the circulation desk and I'll say, you know, there's an adult summer reading, you know, the, the parents' eyes will light up because they know that they can participate in it too. And it's just a nice thing you know you keep you keep track of what you read and, and it's nice to uh you know you could do it along with your kids you know i know like when our son was younger we'd all all three of us would do summer reading and he you know flaunted in my face that he read 10 times as many books as i did but it's good it's a good family activity it's just some healthy competition right healthy competition <laughs> exactly so we will link to the summer reading page in our show notes. Um, and we do encourage you to register, log your books. Um, reading in itself is a reward, but each of the branches will be giving out prizes to adults, teenagers, and children. Next, we have our interview with our author, Darcy Hanna, um, and we will be back with that in just a moment. Today, we are joined by cozy mystery author, Darcy Hanna. 
Her very Cherry Mystery Series consists of the titles Cherry Pies and Deadly Lies, as well as Cherry Scones and Broken Bones. Her latest book, Murder at the Beacon Bake Shop, is the first in a new series, her Bacon Bake Shop Mysteries. The second in the series, Murder at the Christmas Cookie Bake Off, is due out in September of this year. Along with her love for cozy mysteries, Darcy's first books involved her passion for historical fiction. Her first novel, The Exile of Sarah Stevenson, was published in 2010, followed by The Angel of Blythe Hall, published in 2011. Darcy, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Oh, I am so thrilled and happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So I have to say one of the first things that came to mind when I was kind of going in and doing my research was um, the fact that your first two books were historical fiction. Obviously, you had a passion for historical fiction mm -hmm. and you wanted to pursue it in writing. But then what made you switch over to the cozy mystery genre? Um, it's so funny because I never thought I never saw myself as a cozy mystery writer. I kind of always, you know, I used to always read historical fiction when I was a kid, loved historical fiction. So when I got that weird, you know, authors do this, they're like, oh, let's me, let me try writing a novel. And so when I, I knew it was going to be historical fiction and what I did at the time, my kids were little, I decided to stay home and I wrote this story um, and it turned out to be a thousand page historical epic set in the seven, uh, 18th century, which was kind of my passion was the 18th century. And I love Age of Sail. You'll always find either, either a lighthouse or something a little bit nautical in my books. And then I tried to sell it. And I realized that after 150 rejections that nobody wanted a long novel like that, especially from a first time, no known, uh, you know, no name author. So that's when um, I got a, a letter from an, an agent who said, you know, I like your writing, but I'm going to be honest, this is just way too big. And so that's when I started actually doing research about the industry, you know, and realized that about 80 to 100,000 words is, is, is what they consider normal for a novel. And uh, I wrote The Exile of Sarah Stevenson in about six months because I had all the research behind me for this other project. I kind of taught myself how to do kind of quick research or good research, but yet not bog a narrative down with too much information. And so anyhow, when I wrote that one, I thought, you know, since I wrote it, I thought, if I'm ever going to be a published author, this is the book that's going to sell. And, and I, again, I got like 49 rejections on that one. And uh, uh, one agent actually just wrote a handwritten note to me. She's an older woman, a uh, lovely woman, but she's like, this sounds okay. Send me the manuscript. That's <laughs> so kind of like, I guess I'll read it. When she read it, she called me. And, you know, I was so excited. I'd never heard from an agent before, but she said, um, I'm too old to take on new authors, but I'll make an exception for you. So again, it was like, <laughs> wait, is this a good thing? Or <laughs> but anyhow, she did. and did a really good job for me. And um, I thought I was going to be a historical fiction novelist. And it was a very interesting time because I, I had had, I had written Exile of Sarah Stevenson. I had written um, Angel of Blythe Hall. But if you've ever read that book, and they're now kind of out of print, I'm trying to get them on the internet. I set that one up to kind of be a, to, to be a trilogy. And my agent didn't like that. And so she said, you need to write another standalone novel. And I did. I, and I have that novel actually today. That um, It was with Random House, and they had asked for it. And my agent went to try to show it to them. And I think at that point, they had already determined that they were not going to continue on with me. But what I ended up doing, my agent said, you can do anything. She goes, you should just write something different, write, write in a different genre. She goes, why don't you write a mystery? 
And uh, that is how I, I started mystery writing. And I thought, you know, if I'm going to write a mystery, I want to keep it very separate from my historical fiction because I love that. That's kind of a, my little passion. Um, and it was funny because the, the cozy mysteries that I, I had read a few, I kind of loved that, the simplicity of it, but yet the, the, the um, cleverness of it. The first mystery I decided to write was very present and, and um, modern. So my protagonist was younger. And um, this is actually my cherry, cherry pies and deadly lies. But at the time I called it par for the corpse, which I loved. <laughs> and I set it on a, I set it on a golf course. And in my mind, like when I would go to sell it I, um, to pitch, I had to pitch it to a different agent. My, my original agent um, did not, didn't like uh, what I did with, and she didn't tell me what the current agent I have, who's wonderful and a, an amazing lady, um, Sandra Harding, I love you. Um, so she read it and she called me and she said, I really like this, but you've set it on a golf course. And, and she said, golf is a leisure time pursuit and leisure time pursuits don't sell. So would you consider changing the setting? Of course I, I can. And I was trying to think of what I could do with that. And she, she then went and told me, the the types of cozy mysteries that people like to read and then she said you know and they like food and that's when I said wait 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 I can do food <laughs> so so I had set that I had set that novel my par for the corpse was set in a town called Cherry Cove and I said can I use that as my hook and she said well you need another hook but but since it's got cherries in the title I said you know I could I could use the food hook and cherries and I asked her I said you know has anybody written about cherries yet or use cherries as their theme. And she did a quick Google search and nobody had gotten cherries. So she said, yep, you can write about cherries. <laughs> You've got the cherries now. So that's how um, Cherry Pies and Deadly Lies and Cherry Scones and Broken Bones came about. And what was sad about that, and I loved writing those books, but what happened there was I was with a smaller um, mystery publisher. You guys probably know Midnight Inc. I'm sure they've got many books of, of Midnight Inc. authors in your collection. Um, and as I was writing my third novel for that series, I, um, I, my, my agent called me and, you know, whenever an agent calls you, you're like, oh, did I make a list? What happened? <laughs> you usually think it's a good thing. And she said, stop writing that third novel. You need to come up with a new idea. You know, um, Midnight Inc. is closing its doors. And so that was very hard to switch gears again. So so, you know, just to recap, I've had two historical fictions got kicked to the curb, two, two cozy mysteries got kicked to the curb. I'm not writing yet. I'm not writing for Kensington. And I really don't think I'm going to be kicked to the curb after, after two. <laughs> so. It really is amazing just what you had to do to navigate the industry. And I don't know if people really understand what it entails. Um, and your <laughs> perseverance is just amazing. <laughs> I'm like the poster child for rejection, you know, and, and after all of it came, like, when I would give like little talks, I would bring my bags of rejections and I had, I, um, I have three sons and they were growing up watching me do this. And I think it's made them um, very successful. They're, they're great. They're all in their mid twenties. They're all smart, great, successful kids. But what I told them was that, you know, every rejection is just getting me one step closer to, to being at the right place. And I think that's how, if you're a writer out there, that's how you have to look at it. Rejection is not personal. It's just, you know, I've, after um, how many years have I been doing this now? Like probably 15, 20. I finally learned <laughs> that, <laughs> that different agents look for different things. Different publishing houses are looking for 
a type of book to fill out their publishing list or their collection. And so if you're just selling some, if you have a book that doesn't quite fit that, you don't want to be with an, an agent or an editor that's not going to publish your book, that, that it just is not going to understand what you do. So, so therefore, the rejection is not a bad thing. It just means you haven't found the right person. Um, and so I guess, that's how, I guess that's how I started looking. I mean, I looked at it like that and it became a bit of a challenge, but I hope, that, I mean, my story is a very rocky road story. I, I know people have done it and have, <laughs> have had much more success faster. It's, I think it's a lot of me just trying to learn about the industry, you know what I mean? And trying yeah. different things, but, but it makes it exciting for me and, and I really enjoy it. I was going to say, it seems like it's, it's a real learning process. Like you've had to, you know, like you started off with one idea of how the whole thing was going to work. And now it's kind of, you know, 180 degrees. You're back at doing it in an entirely different way than you probably imagined when you started. Oh, totally. And that was the funniest thing, because I, like I said, when I when we um, told you, I never saw myself as a cozy mystery writer, but I have, I have really enjoyed and you probably can tell if you've read some of my books. It allows me to have more of a um, more of a humor. I'm, I've, I've had humor in other books, but I think Cozy Mystery lends itself to maybe the style of writing that I do, and so I've really enjoyed being able to explore that. I also love cooking and baking, so it's kind of like it's kind of like a mixture of all my passions. Like uh, in the um, the cherry series, I have goats, and I remember having this art, not an argument, but a discussion about the cover. And I really wanted the goat on the cover of that novel. And my agent was like, oh yeah, no, you, Cozy Miss, we, we just don't put goats on the cover. It's gotta be a dog or cat. <laughs> I have to ask this, cause it's come up a couple of times is where they're like, you don't do this in a cozy mystery. Like what are, what are the criteria for a cozy mystery? Oh my God, I should, I should unroll. Yeah. <laughs> I should unroll the rules. <laughs> well, I know like the, the murder takes, it's, you know, you don't, it's not explicit, right? Like that's kind of mm -hmm. off, off the page, I guess, for like, I can't think of the correct term, but it, it just seems like there's all these parameters in place. Oh, it's so, it is. It's so funny. And I, I joke because I'm like, oh, they're reining me in again because I'm <laughs> coming from historical fiction you could just kind of write that story and I never really really like to swear too much in a story you know I probably swear a little too much in real life and, I, and but you try to keep you know you kind of keep true to the genre and so I always tried to whatever but with cozy mystery it's very funny because I learned there are rules and uh, that's part of writing genre fiction and I'll tell you what I was told of course we we learned about the hook <laughs> so no golf courses from Darcy Hannah you gotta, that's not going to be me that's going to write that story. But um, they, they have to have um, that, that hook, which is something that brings the reader in, that's identifiable as sort of cozy, like tea shop, food, like a little bakery, um, a food cart, you know, a pet salon. I don't know. What, what do they do? Pet sitters or just something in a community, like a smaller business. And the person that solves the crime is a non-professional. So it's not gonna be CSI, it's not gonna be police procedural. It's going to be kind of clever and you have to discover more clues. And, and so it's in that respect, it's kind of fun. The murder usually, and sometimes I, I was like, I kind of want the murder sometimes to be more front and center in my books. <laughs> but they, I'm reminded it's a gentler readership. And so I think the biggest, uh, the coolest thing about Cozy Mysteries is that as a reader, if you pick up a cozy mystery, you're not going to be offended by a graphic 
violent scene, graphic, you know, um, sex or, or, or language or whatever, you're going to have more of a clever book and a book that you probably, hopefully if the author has done a good job of uh, town or community you want to come back to. Well, Darcy, it has been so much fun talking with you, and we want to encourage our readers to um, check out her Beacon Bake Shop Mysteries and her Very Cherry Mysteries, and her new book is coming out in September. End of September, yeah. Murder at the Christmas Cookie Bake Off, um, and Darcy, you're very active on social media. I'm going to link in our show notes oh, to you. your website as well as to your YouTube uh, channel oh so you can see the recipes that you've made that come from your book. So again, thank you for spending oh, time with us today. It was my pleasure, guys. And thank you so much for having me. And uh, hopefully I can get some more recipes out and need more free time for that. But <laughs> thank you, guys. It was such a pleasure to be here. Love your library system. And, and you guys keep going. Welcome back, everyone, as we wrap up another episode of Behind the Books. Thanks so much for, to Darcy for taking the time to talk with us. Um, I thought that was really interesting, Anna, just kind of listening to, as you alluded to in the beginning, the backstory of, you know, some of the things that go into making a cozy mystery and how she wasn't even thinking about writing cozy mysteries. And then her editors kind of pushed her in that direction, and it's, and it's worked out well for her. One of the things I love about doing these episodes is we get to hear everybody's story. We heard Darcy's pathway with writing. Um, I really enjoyed Lena's story um, about how she started working at the library and what she's done um, since being a part of the Mercer County Library System. So that is something that I hope our listeners enjoy as well, is, is hearing these backstories, hearing these little nuggets of information that we have during these interviews. Um, I just always find them uh, really bringing a, a personal touch to books and to the library system. Another thing I found interesting was how much the, the agent influence has, like when Darcy had talked about you know how she had her book set on a golf course and then they're like golf courses don't sell you know and then she had to, to find the, the right niche so i thought that that was kind of interesting like you don't really think about that you think about the writer as somebody who just sits in their basement and turns out the the pages but they do have a nice support system all around them uh, which we've heard about with you know the illustrators and some of the writers so it's it's nice I, I really enjoyed getting like you said getting to hear the backstory of some of these things yeah, and even with Lena, you know, it was Emily Fry, her branch manager, that really kind of prompted her to, you know what, you're doing this, this meditation, why don't you think about bringing it to our community? So I think, again, there's that support that um, can just be the little nudge that somebody may need. Bob, so we'll be back in a couple of weeks, right, for another uh, interview with a staff member and an author, and we hope uh, all of you will join us at that time, too. And again, thank you to uh, Lena Iyengar and Darcy Hanna for joining us today. It was absolutely a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Behind the Books, a podcast by the Mercer County Library System. Don't forget to subscribe and please leave us a review. For more information about the Mercer County Library System, please visit us on the web at mcl.org. We are produced by Laura Narasik, 
Our thanks goes out to Kim Livingston for her technical expertise, as well as to Dana Benner for creating our cover art. Your hosts are Bob Noose and Anna Vanskoik.